from Fox News. It's the campaign with Brett Baer. Lawmakers in the House approved the COVID-19 aid package early on Friday. The Senate had approved it earlier. The president signed it into law later that day. Our socially distant panel is anxiously awaiting to discuss all of this. But first, Fox News correspondent Peter Ducey has been following the candidates or candidate on the digital campaign trail and gives us an update. Don't expect to see Joe Biden on the campaign trail anytime soon. He talked about why on his new self-published podcast. It's just not worth it to go out there and take a chance of getting sick or further spreading the virus. Biden's crowd sizes on the campaign trail had been growing in tandem with his delegate lead over Senator Bernie Sanders. But even though elected officials are still hosting in-person press briefings about COVID-19, presidential candidates aren't. We can't hold rallies anymore, but we're not gathering in large public spaces. We're living in the new normal. The 77-year-old former vice president is well known for sharing emotional moments with supporters at campaign events. But until further notice, his human contact has been almost completely cut off. When I have anyone in the house, whether it be blunt about it, whether it's a secret service, has to come in and or staff to set up the mechanisms to do this, they're all wearing gloves and masks, and uh, so that we uh, and we are all staying six feet apart. There's not many to come in, but that's how we do it when there has to be folks in the house. Reporting from Virginia, Peter Ducey, Fox News. Peter, thanks. After tense negotiations, history was made Friday when Congress passed and President Trump signed a $2.2 trillion economic stimulus or emergency package to support Americans and businesses struggling as the result of the COVID-19 pandemic. The nearly 800-page bill includes expanded unemployment benefits and direct cash payments of $1,200 to adults, making up to about $75,000 a year. It also features loans for businesses, both large and small, with $350 billion allocated to small businesses and $500 billion for larger businesses. But what kind of impact will it have on business and everyday Americans? We'll start there with our panel. Editor-in-Chief of The Dispatch and AEI Fellow, Jonah Goldberg. Senior Editor at The Federalist, Molly Hemingway, and Fox News Politics Editor, Chris Steyerwalt. Okay, socially distant we are. Uh, Molly, you know, it's tough to judge how big economic impact this is going to have long-term, but it's going to be significant. When you try to think through similar events that the country has gone through or that any country has gone through, it's hard to think of any examples of this widespread of an economic shutdown. This bill that was passed was an attempt to alleviate some of the pain caused by this shutdown. It's unclear, you know, by definition, you can't have a particularly well-considered piece of legislation, and yet it is the largest piece of legislation that we've we've ever seen passed. So you just sort of hope that it does the most help for the most people, whether it's small businesses that have been shut down, you know, really through no fault of their own, not that it's anyone's uh, fault per se, the spread of this virus, to people who find themselves out of work. And it's a lot of people. And I think we're just starting to think through the seriousness of that issue. Now with these guidelines, Chris, established and moved forward to April 30th, and, and really we don't know that it ends there. It could be, depending on what the virus is doing, extended beyond that um, even further. But you look at April 1st as a day where millions of people have to pay rent, businesses have to pay rent for the beginning of the next month, and how we handle this next week should be interesting economically for the nation. 
yeah, this is a crucial test. How adaptable are we? And how adaptable are people with big pockets uh, and deep pockets to the people who are struggling to get by? Uh, when you look at the the, the enormity of these numbers, uh, this is uh, a, a shock to our system uh, that uh, holds very few parallels, as Molly points out. The one parallel I think we should probably try to bear in mind is in 1979 and 1980, there was an energy crisis uh, first by the Iranian Revolution and then by the Iran Iraq the start of the Iran Iraq War uh, that plunged the United States into something kind of like this, which was a, a shutdown and a, uh, inability to uh, access things. Uh, and if our leaders are good uh, and we're able to uh, get our way through this, we can avoid the second dip. And I think that's probably what the president has in mind by extending uh, the quarantine period. You know, Jonah, we very may well, may well be in for a fourth stimulus package here. I mean, the, the Congress is already talking about it, working on it. The president says he's open to it. Um, as a conservative, usually you lean towards these massive things don't aren't the preferred option. Um, but in this circumstance, what is a conservative or even libertarian to do? Yeah, well, it's 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 a real dilemma. I have, you know, I I, I don't know how well I mean, we you call it a stimulus package. That's what sort of the term of art is in Washington for these kinds of things. But what we're re- first of all, what we're really doing, I think it was Larry Summers who first used the analogy, is we're putting the economy into a medically induced coma, where we're basically <laughs> saying go to sleep and ride through this, and when the fever breaks, we're going to try to pull you out, revive you as quickly as possible. And, um, you know, as someone who loves liberal democratic capitalism and the free market and all of that kind of stuff, this does remind you that a free market economy is, it's still a project. It requires certain sort of basic, you know, functions to be taken care of for to operate properly from the rule of law to security um, and in the rest, and when you order the entire economy to go into, or most of the economy go into, an effect, a coma, um, the state has to intervene just to keep the patient alive. And so, you know, this package really isn't a stimulus package. It is, a, you know, it is, a, it is a sustenance package. It's a relief package. And, um, and so, you know, we'll know, we'll only know later down the road whether or not this was the best way or the optimal way of doing it, but the, the government had to do something. But there has to be, there's going to be another package coming down the pike. We know there is. My hunch is Democrats will try to get all the stuff or more of the stuff off their longstanding wish lists into that, that they couldn't get into this. Um, but we really don't know what's going to be required until we get there. And I'm of the school, I'm sort of on the... In, in the great debate between the economists and the epidemiologists and all of this, I'm on team epidemiologists mm-hmm. only insofar as you can't figure out how to revive the economy until you've dealt with the epidemic. And that, yeah. that just takes time. And clearly, you know, the, the administration and the president leaning that way, listening to Fauci and Burks on this recommendation. Um, but on the economic side, Molly, you wonder on these massive packages, you know, to Jonah's point, there's efforts to get all kinds of stuff in there. It happens to both parties when there's something this big. The vehicle is too juicy not to put some things in there. Yeah, the I think there are certain people who actually do 
think they can take advantage of a situation like this to expand the size and scope of government. You look at how New Deal programs were supposed to deal with Depression era problems, and they didn't really help deal with Depression era problems, but they did do what they were designed to achieve, which was to expand the size and scope of government. I think it's important that people be on guard against that when they're dealing with this type of legislation. The problem is, as Jonah points out, we're, the house is on fire right now, and it's not a great time to be thinking through, um, it's just difficult to think through all of the negative potential repercussions to some of this legislation. And then further, it is a public health issue and an economic crisis. And economic, I think people think of that as just meaning financial, but really it, it's, it's about so many things about how we care for, for each other. We're doing things based on models that predict certain negative outcomes in the future. Right now we're experiencing negative outcomes because of, of what that's doing to the economy. I think at some point, hopefully we'll start to have better data about getting things under control and then we can start making some better decisions um, and less extreme decisions about, and just in general, finding a way out of this situation. Chris, this virus is frustrating. It's bumming me out. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm, it's I'm with just, you, brother. I'm with you. It's, it's a horrible thing medically, and, and people are in danger, but you can't figure it out. You don't know how long it's going to go. And we have very little data that is definitive that can say, yes, this is what we see. You know, it's, it's frustrating. Well, we had, we had been on a, a little bit of a vacation from history as a nation um, since really 2008, 2009, uh, substantially at peace, uh, no major world conflicts. Uh, there were hotspots here and there. Certainly you can talk about Syria, but <clears throat> certainly uh, in the Trump administration in this era, it's been pretty smooth sailing. And uh, the economy, we, we've just concluded, I assume, uh, the longest period of economic expansion in American history, uh, more than a decade. That's a safe uh, assumption, Chris. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm no economist. I'm no economist. But I feel like we may be going the other way. Um, but after, after all of that placidity, after all of that relative ease and relative calm, we find ourselves suddenly plunged into something that is both enormous uh, and mystifying. And we don't, we don't know how big the haystack is and we don't know how many needles there are yet. And uh, this leads people to exactly what you described, which is frustration. And frustration in a political system always finds its event. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's a good point. As, as Molly says, when your house, I'm, I have a strict policy in my house of not permissively aiming water hoses all over the place when there's not a fire, right? But when there's a fire, you have a certain tolerance for that because you got to put out the fire. What worries me in the long haul is after all this is done, um, we're going to have, you know, a, a sort of a limited government conservative guy. I'm going to probably spend the rest of my life having arguments with people who claim that the stuff that we did during the crisis is stuff that we should be still doing after the crisis. All whether, the time. Yeah. Whether direct payments to people, who knows? I mean, it's going to be, we did it during the crisis. Why can't we do it now? And you hear a lot of, you know, if you watch too much MSNBC, you'll see this come up about every 12 minutes. And, um, that's really frustrating to me. And um, I anticipate a lot of annoying arguments. One argument that I think pre-virus has newfound salience that um, 
we're going to need to revisit is um, this would all be a lot easier and a lot less stressful if we had been living with balanced budgets for the last 20 years. But instead, yeah. we're basically, we're, we were 21 trillion or whatever the number was in debt, and we're borrowing essentially trillions more from our kids, our grandkids, and from China, <laughs> which gave us this thing in the first place. And it, it limits our ability to do stuff. It, 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 it heightens the downside risks of, of these massive interventions, however required they are. And it would be nice. I mean, I, I think we're due for some tax hikes when we get out of this to pay this off. And frankly, I, I kind of like the idea of the equivalent of war bonds um, to pay for some of it. But we're going to have Corona uh, bonds. Corona bonds. Yeah, I'm not, it's a Corona real idea bonds. out there. I, I don't, and I don't think it's a terrible idea. Um, being able, if we would have a lot more flexibility in all sorts of ways if we'd been living within our means for the last couple decades. Guys, let's hold it right there. We'll continue after this. Molly, I mean, we talked about Andrew Yang and his his outpayment of a thousand bucks. You know, he got out of the race too soon. Just had to wait a couple of months. They were getting twelve hundred at least uh, for some families. The interesting thing is that I talked to somebody the other day was with a a grocery clerk, and she was saying at the checkout that she really wanted to get laid off. And the guy said, "Why?" She said, "Well, I'd I'd make a lot more money." Um, you know, as they were calculating how it all came out uh, for unemployment going forward for however long that lasts. And, you know, eventually that's going to be an issue. Right. This is one of the issues that Senator Sass had with this piece of legislation. It's an issue that crops up throughout any efforts to help people who are unemployed. I, I sometimes think it's it's a legitimate issue, although in this case, I think Ideally, this would be, you know, a short run issue and we're just dealing with people who are massively out of work. I think we're just going to find it staggering. You know, last week's numbers, the three plus million people who filed for unemployment this week, it's going to be another doozy and it's just going to keep going. I think our bigger issue is that a lot of people actually do want to be working and they are unable to work and work isn't just about the money you get, but about the value. Um, it, It helps people feel value. It helps people form families and keep families. And it's just the most efficient, wonderful way to keep people flourishing. But it is definitely an issue if you make it, if you make the situation where you'd be an idiot to want to keep working because you can actually make more if you're not working, well, you you should expect people to desire to be unemployed and make more money. I mean, it's, it's a no, no brainer here. All right. So let's end on a positive note. Uh, we're all holed up in one way or another. Uh, so do you have a TV show, a movie, a book that you've come to appreciate, love, whatever during this time. Chris, first. Uh, Andy Schley's uh, recent book about uh, Lyndon Johnson's Great Society is fantastic, and I have shared it with my eldest son, and we've, we've both enjoyed it. Uh, I recommend that highly. And also, I had not watched... <laughs> I had not watched enough Magnum PI lately in my life. And Magnum, <laughs> PI. <laughs> Magnum PI is back in my life. I just Holla. want to say to Rick, TC, and the boys, holla at your boy. Nice. So, wait, I, have you seen this Tiger King thing? Yes. What is that? It's surreal. It would be more it's surreal. Truly awesome. If if it weren't the moment that we're in, it is an unbelievable cast of characters almost, only in America. <laughs> All right. Do you have one, Molly? What do you got? 
We did watch Tiger King. I enjoyed it. We also have been watching another documentary series, um, I think it's called Nobody Saw a Thing, about a bully in a Missouri town who was shot in the middle of a street with a large crowd gathered, but nobody saw anything happen. And it's uh, something that was big news a few decades ago, and this is the documentary about it. I haven't finished it yet. But I do want to put a plug in for Galaxy Quest, a movie I watched with the family. It's absolutely absurd and delightful from you know, maybe 20 years ago, sort of a spoof on what if Star Trek were real. Mm, okay. Jonah? Galaxy, Galaxy Quest is is a wonderful movie. I am a huge fan of Galaxy <laughs> Quest. Um, gosh, um, I've been re, re-watching some classics, and I don't mean like Gone with the Wind. Um, I, I uh, dove back into the first seasons of The Walking Dead, in part to remind myself that there are worse possible <laughs> pandemics that we could be going through. <laughs> oh, this is much, much worse than just being confined to my home. Um, and uh, um, and I, I dove back into the Sopranos. And um, other than that, uh, I am um, recently rewatched because I wrote this piece for the dispatch about movies that people who are politically literate should watch. Um, and I re- recently rewatched one of my favorites, which was the man who shot Liberty Valance, which I think is a fairly timely nice. great movie that has, yeah, it's a great a, movie. And it's a good one for a family to watch. If you want to actually have a productive, meaningful conversation afterwards about it. Um, so I have watched, uh, let's see a beautiful day in the neighborhood with Tom Hanks. Highly recommend that movie. Okay. Huh. Uh, I liked it, and uh, I didn't think I would, but I really did. The the gratuitous um, violence didn't turn you off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lady, Lady Elaine. It's 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 not. Uh, it's it's very very easy. Um, and then what else have we done? We've done. Uh, well, there's been a lot of Fortnite being played at the house, and I have a new appreciation for the video game Fortnite because he's got my two kids have all their friends on this kind of constant play. Uh, so they don't have play dates, but they have virtual play dates in which they're talking to each other, which is quite something. Um, I don't know how to play, but I'm all for it. Anyway, uh, we have a lot to read and see because something tells me we're going to be here for a little while. Uh, thank you all for doing it. That'll do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and review. We want to hear from you. For Jonah, Molly, and Chris, stay safe, stay healthy, wash your hands, listen to everybody, and we'll see you next time. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.